The scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Paul writes, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's the word of the Lord. You know, last week we we continued to look at what Paul calls the mystery. The mystery of what God has done through Christ. And in Christ, not only has God made made it possible for us to enter a relationship with God, but He was also telling us how the mystery of Christ involves bringing together people that you would think could never be brought together. And yet God brings us together as one unified body in Christ Jesus. And so we saw how specifically God brought together Jew and Gentile in the first century. These two groups that were at odds with one another. And the power of the gospel is that that Christ was able to break down the barrier walls between them, the dividing wall, and bring those two groups together together as one in Christ. And so what we learned is that no matter who you are, where you came from, uh, in Christ, we all have this boldness and confidence that we can come to God as Father. And we are one body. That's the great mystery that Paul uh, taught us last week. And as we move into the second half of chapter 3 this morning, we actually are picking up where Paul originally started. If you remember in verse 1, he says, for this reason. But then he gets on a bit of a tangent, which happens at times. But they're great tangents. But he, he wanted to unpack the idea of the mystery and what it is. And that he's been entrusted with this mystery of the gospel to reveal it to the world. Uh, so, But now he gets kind of back on track with his thought process that he had in verse 1. And so as we move into chapter 3, verses 14 uh, through 21 this morning, we're going to pick up where he left off. So he writes in verse 14... For this reason. And so you may say, well, for what reason? Well, everything that he has presented so far. Specifically, what God has done for us in Christ. And he says, because of that, because of what God has done for us in Christ, specifically what God has done for you Ephesians in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father. So because of what God has done for the Ephesian Christians in Christ, this this prompted Paul to pray. And he bows his knees before God and he lifts his request before him. Now, I would imagine most, if not all of us, have prayed to God. I mean, the odds are pretty high. Even if you don't go to church, you have probably prayed uh, to God or to something. And so I would imagine because you're sitting in this room, uh, I bet you all of us have prayed Uh, To God, And if I were to survey, let's just say, if I were to survey all of our prayers from this past week, and 
put together the, the top five requests that we prayed for. I wonder what they would be. You know, I wonder, uh, would they be for healing? For maybe a family member or friend? Or for ourselves? Or maybe we prayed for guidance in a decision that we needed to make? Or maybe we prayed for uh, provision? You know, maybe a financial need? Uh, we asked for God's provision. We're seeking God's provision for that. Or maybe we've uh, confessed our sins to the Lord and asked for forgiveness. Um, yeah, I don't know what the top five requests would be. Uh, but when we look at Paul's prayer in the uh, passage we're looking at today, uh, even though all those things I mentioned are legitimate, are legitimate concerns to bring before the Lord, and we should bring those before the Lord, when we look at Paul's prayer, he is actually praying for something a little bit different than what I tend to pray for uh, personally. Um, and what's interesting about his prayer here is that, and what's helpful for us, is it's important for us to look at how God's people have prayed throughout the years, specifically in the Scripture. Because by seeing how they pray, it teaches us how we can pray and what things we can pray for and should pray for. And so what does Paul pray for? Well, he makes two requests in this prayer for the Ephesians. The first one is that he prays that God will strengthen them with power through His Spirit in their inner being. So look with me at verses 14 and 17 again. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So Paul is praying to God, asking that God would give them power through His Spirit. Now, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, now when I think about being filled with the power of God, I'm thinking, okay, what, what do we tend to think of, uh, of us being able to do now that we've been filled with the power of God? And, and sometimes we think about, well, we should be you know, performing miracles or doing things that are kind of like superhuman. But when we look at this prayer, we find that the, the purpose of being filled with the power of God through His Spirit uh, produces something a bit different than that. Uh, what, we do, what we see here is that the primary purpose of being strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit is not so much what the Holy Spirit does through us, even though He does work through us, but rather what the Holy Spirit does in us. And so look at the prayer. He's praying that we would be filled with and be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be changed in our inner being, that our inner being would be impacted by the power of God. And our, our inner being there, Paul's referring to, is, is that immaterial part of us. You know, the Bible refers to it as our hearts. You know, it's the seat of the will, the intellect, the emotions. It's, it's our soul. And that's what Paul's referring to there as our inner being. And so what Paul's praying for here is he's praying for life change. He's praying that God will do a great work in the lives of the Ephesians. And he knows that the only way people will be changed is if God is at work within them. 
And yet at the same time, he knows this, that God doesn't change people that don't want to be changed, right? I mean, you have to have a willing vessel here to work with. And so, if we want to be changed by God, then we need to submit to God's working in our lives and we begin to have the furniture of our lives rearranged. So if you're wanting to be changed by God, you know, Paul's prayer is for you, that you would be strengthened by God's power and His Spirit so that His Spirit at work in your, in your heart will rearrange your furniture in your life. Paul calls this the, the dwelling of Christ in our hearts by faith, which is a parallel phrase or another way of saying being strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So as Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, the furniture in our lives gets rearranged. I mean, think, think of it this way. Okay, every spring break, uh, several of my family members, we go in together and we rent a beach house down at Hilton Head for our, our beach family trip. Now, when we go down there, we have a lot of kids with us. So we do, a, we do a rearrange a few things in the house, right? So we might move a chair over here, put the air mattress over here. You know how it goes. Uh, we may slide some things around, but, but nothing dramatic. I mean, we're not moving into the beach house, trying to change the paint color in the kitchen, you know, and, you know, cutting down a tree in the backyard, you know, having it hauled off. I mean, we're not doing major rearranging. And the reason is because we're only staying there a week, right? And it's not our house. We're just kind of passing through. And so we don't do those things because it's not our permanent residence. It's not where we dwell which is what Paul is referring to here about the Christ dwelling in our hearts. So for the Christian, if you have faith in Jesus, Jesus dwells in your heart by faith. In other words, He has taken up permanent residence in your life. And He dwells in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God gives us His, His Spirit. We've learned this already in Ephesians 1. That He gives us His Spirit to seal us for eternity. But He also gives us His Spirit to rearrange the furniture in our lives. And so Paul is praying that God will empower the Ephesian Christians in such a way that the furniture of their lives would be rearranged so that it will be evident that Jesus lives there. That's what the Spirit of God is doing in their lives and that's what He wants to do in our lives. So the question for us is, you know, do we want do we want to be strengthened by the power of God's spirit in our lives and do we want to grant God access to all the furniture in our lives so that he can rearrange it so that when people encounter us they realize Jesus lives there. I mean, is that what we want? And that's what Paul is praying for. For him. Now, when I say the furniture of our lives, I'm talking about the living room. I'm talking about the TV room. I'm talking about the bedroom. We're talking about the kitchen. We're talking about the office. We're talking about the recreation room. In other words, I'm, we're talking about every area of our lives. You know, are we granting God access to all of us so that we can be changed, so that we can have those things in our lives rearranged so that people see Jesus lives here? You do, do we give God freedom to have His way in our lives, to empower us for change? You know, I've shared this before, 
perhaps, but I'll just share it again. Um, I had a college roommate that would just randomly rearrange our furniture in our apartment. I don't know what it was with this guy, but I would leave for class in the morning for a couple hours and I'd come back and he had rearranged the whole living room. I'm thinking, what's wrong with you? But he, did, he loved doing that kind of thing. But the thing is, he would never ask me. He would just do it. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Well, that's, you know, God's not like that. He doesn't just move in and just do what he wants without you being a part of that. You know, he changes those who wants to be changed. God is always willing to strengthen us to move the furniture in our lives if we want it moved. He'll tell us those areas of our lives that need to be changed. He'll empower us for the change. But we have to decide whether we want to be changed. I mean, do we want Him to move the furniture? Or do we not? So one principle we see here in Paul's prayer is that life change happens from the inside out. Life change happens from the inside out. And if we want to be changed by the Lord, then we need to grant God access to be, that we may be strengthened by the power of the Spirit for the change that we, that we need. So, perhaps this should be our prayer. I was just thinking through this, and I'm thinking, okay, what, what does that look like you know, for us to, to be open like that? And I thought, well, maybe, maybe if, we had, if we prayed something like this, if we could verbalize this type of desire, uh, perhaps this is in line with what Paul's saying here. You know, God, strengthen me by the power of your Spirit for the change I need in my life. You know, God, strengthen me by the power of your Spirit for the change that I need in my life. Now, I believe that's in line with what Paul is praying here. And, that's, and you see what I meant at the beginning when I said, you know, Maybe we were praying for provision this week or protection or maybe we were praying for guidance or forgiveness. But were we praying for power to be strengthened in our, in our hearts so that we would be changed? And that's what Paul is praying for the Ephesians. Change happens from the inside out. It begins by believing the gospel and being in Christ and then it continues by God empowering us by the Holy Spirit to bring about change in our hearts as we trust Christ by faith. So, will you make that your prayer this week? Your God, strengthen me by your power and produce the change that I need in my life. So, we see Paul's first request. And as we make our way down to the end of verse 17, we see his second request in this prayer. He says that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So his second request is that God will strengthen them to comprehend the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Again, another request that... I'm not real sure I prayed this past week. Well, actually, I probably did pray it because I was studying this passage. But normally, you know, my, I usually don't go to that. And maybe you don't either. But Paul's praying for not just 
a kind of a grocery list of items, but he's actually prayed that we would see heart change and that God would do an internal work in the lives of these Ephesian Christians. And I believe by extension, he's, he'd be praying that for us as well. Uh, that, that we would be strengthened in order to comprehend the love that Christ has for us that surpasses knowledge. Now think about this. I want you to think about someone who loves you. Okay, think about someone who loves you. And as you're thinking about that, think about this. You know, we would measure this room, perhaps, in square feet. Okay, we'd say this room has so many square feet. Uh, if we all lined up to weigh ourselves, which we're not going to do, but if we were to do that, we would weigh ourselves in pounds. It's how we would, you know, weigh how much, you know, how heavy we are or how light we are. Now, if I were to tell you to... to Think about the person who loves you and measure their love for you. You know, what unit would you use to measure it? I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't measure it the same way you'd measure this room or, you know, measure our weight. I mean, what units would you use? Now, I thought about, you know, I know we've asked our children when they were smaller, and I'm sure you've probably asked children before, but when you ask children, how much do you love me? You know what they say, sometimes anyway. I love you this much. Right? This is their unit of measurement. Because this is as big as it gets, right? I love you this much. And I think that's what Paul's saying here. I want you, I'm just praying for you that God would strengthen you so that you can comprehend to know the love that God has for you in Christ. Well, how do you measure that, Paul? Well, um, the depth, the breadth, the length, the height. You know, he just goes off with these, instead of using a unit, he uses dimensions. Just multidimensional love of God for you and for me. One uh, person described it this way. He said, it's breadth of its sweep. The love of Christ includes every man of every kind in every age in every world. In the length to which it would go, the love of Christ was obedient unto death and and accepted even the cross. Its depth, it descended to experience even death. And in its height, He still loves us in heaven where He will ever live to make intercession of us. There is no man who is outside the love of Christ. There is no place which is outside the reach of Christ. And there is no experience which the love of Christ will refuse in order to gain one man. It is a love which passes knowledge and which, if he accepts it, will fill a man with nothing less than the life of God himself. Now I want you to notice one thing here. Paul's not talking about our love for Christ. Even though that would be a true statement that we need to grow in our love for Christ. But what he's talking about is... Christ's love for us. The love of Christ for us. He wants us to be strengthened so that we will comprehend to know how much God loves us in Christ. Not how much we love Him, but how much God loves us in Christ. How much Christ loves us. And so, what primarily changes us then is not our love for God, but God's love for us. 
So the more we understand and comprehend God's love for us, that is what produces change. And it's not just an intellectual pursuit that we just kind of understand intellectually God loves. In other words, it's not just enough to know that uh, God loves people. But what you have to know is that God loves you. It's not enough that God forgives sin. You need to know God forgives your sin. It's not enough to say, well, God changes people's lives. It needs to be, God wants to change your life. It's not just abstract knowledge. It's experiential knowledge. It has, to, it has to be personal. And this is what Paul wants to see in the lives of the Ephesians. That they would be strengthened with the power of God so that they can understand, comprehend the love that God has for them in Christ. And what a wonderful statement that is. But it is interesting though when you read it and you think about Paul's statement because he says... Think about what he says. He says, I'm praying, I'm praying for you that God will strengthen you and that you will know that which surpasses knowledge. You think, well, how does that work? How do I know that which surpasses knowledge? How do I know that which surpasses knowing? Well, think of it this way. Do we know, do we know everything there is to know about outer space? Well, no, we don't. Uh, But do we know something of outer space? Yeah, we do know something. Even though we don't know everything, we know something of it. And Paul, in a similar way, is saying, can you ever know everything about how God loves you? No, it surpasses your knowledge. It surpasses your capacity. However, can you know something of that? Yes, you can. So how do we know that which surpasses knowledge? Well, we begin knowing it. We get to know it. And we allow God's strength to strengthen us in order to comprehend it. And so we can know something of the love of Christ, but there's always more to learn. And it's by experiencing and learning more of God's love for us that we grow in our love for God and our love for other people. So we are changed again. We're changed from the inside out. So Paul prays for two things for the believers. First, that we are empowered by the, God, by the Spirit of God in our inner being. And second, that we would comprehend the love of Christ. Now, if you're like me, I tend to lean more toward the objective rather than the subjective. And what I mean by that is, you know, I like it when you can tell me, you know, Ron, if you do this, this, and this, this will be the result. It's very objective uh, and not subjective, hard to pin down. And because of that tendency that I have, I've really wrestled with this prayer of Paul this week as I was studying it. I've really wrestled with it because, you know, being empowered by God's Spirit in our hearts and knowing the love of Christ are difficult things to measure. Right? I mean, how do you measure that? How do you know if, you know what? I am a, 
I'm knowing more of the love of Christ today than I was yesterday. I mean, it's hard to measure that. Whereas you can measure, did I read my Bible today? Did I share the gospel today? Did I tell the truth today? I mean, you, those are more measurable elements of the Christian life. But when it comes to being empowered by the Spirit of God in my inner being, in my heart, and comprehending the love of Christ for me, that's harder to kind of nail down, isn't it? And so I've really wrestled with that. Uh, and so, you know, this morning I can't give you like a five-day plan for empowerment or a <laughs> and love comprehension. I mean, I can't do that. If you just do these three things, then you'll be empowered and, and love Jesus this much more next week. I can't necessarily do that uh, because this is something God does in your heart, uh, which is why Paul prays the prayer he does. But we do know that this requires, uh, to see this happening in our own lives, it requires faith in Christ. Uh, it requires prayer. Uh, it requires reflection. And it requires patience for God to do His work. And so what I can tell you is that we should be praying more for, uh, not just for comfort and convenience for ourselves and for others, which kind of our default, you know, something happens, we want to pray that God fixes this situation over here. But we also need to be praying and asking God to empower us by His Spirit in our hearts, and we should be asking Him for strength to grow in our knowledge of Christ's love for us so that we may be filled with the fullness of God. And I hope you'll make that your prayer this week as you allow God to begin that work even this week in your heart. And in your lives. And I'd like to end the sermon with how Paul ends his prayer in verses 20 and 21. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.